Alright, I certainly hope you work. Hey there. Hi there. Welcome. You will have just heard uh, a song called In the Crowd by the band The Jam. And uh, this song is... uh, It's part of what I really believe to be an album that is absolute genius. Uh, It is uh, an album called All Mod Cons by The Jam. If you've never heard The Jam before, then now you have, at least upon hearing this song. And this is an album that I got... Uh, I believe it came out in late, uh, I think it was late 79, somewhere around there. I didn't get it until in the 80s, probably, oh, it would be after I was in high school that I discovered the jam. So it would have been probably grade 10-ish, maybe grade 11. Um, It would be, so that would be 86 or 87, I guess. And I clearly remember... I'm just going to check that you're still recording. Yes, you are for now. I clearly remember being in my bedroom, listening to that on my Radio Shack um, stereo, which was, for what it was, it was it was pretty good. It was really quite good. It, it I remember it was one of these ones that had, uh, it was a clock radio that had a cassette deck built in. It had, obviously, the radio portion. I'm trying to remember whether or not it had a turntable on it. No, it didn't. It was just it was, it was just its own thing. Uh, but I remember it had uh, preset uh, radio stations on it. There was these big silver buttons on the front that you would press, and it would bring you to that radio station while you were listening to it. And the way that you preset them was there was, there was this black, um, you know, uh, translucent plastic. It was like a a smoke plastic door on the top of the whole box that you would lift up and there would be, I think there was maybe six, maybe eight uh, little tiny knobs, dials, or also known as daubs, I guess I wanted to say, um, that you would uh, turn and you would kind of tune in the the radio station that you wanted. And you close that top and then when you want to listen to the actual station, you just press those buttons and it would tune to it. There, I think there were a few other controls in the top of that unit that, were, that would control, like... Hmm. I can't remember exactly what it would control. Probably controlled things like... Uh, there was probably a treble and bass adjustment. I seem to remember there maybe even being a few buttons up there. Um, but I clearly remember listening to the jam in my bedroom... Uh, and to be honest, actually, I don't think I was actually listening to the album itself, the album All Mod Cons, when I was in grade 10 or 11. Now that I think back on it, I was probably actually listening to uh, a cassette tape of the album called Snap, which was a compilation that it, that had been put out that had, oh, I got, I don't know how many how many songs would it have had on it? Probably had eighteen or twenty songs on it, um, and it was it was fantastic. It was it was mind blowing to me to discover this world of 
I guess it was, I don't know if it was mid-punk or late punk, but it was just, just at the edges of punk. And to really call this punk music, it really, it didn't sound like it to me. You know, even The Clash at this point, they didn't sound, they never sounded very punk to me. You know, maybe when they did White Riot and they did a few things like that, that, you know, that sounded like punk. That to me, it just sounded like music. Really, I, I didn't quite understand it. And I guess the, the the key thing about it was I had never really seen a punk. I guess, well, I lie. I had seen a punk by this time. I had gone to England in uh, the summer of uh, nineteen eighty four. I guess, um, and we would have seen uh sort of 80s punks <laughs> which were you know they were interesting they had the you know they had the spiky hair they had the piercings they had you know all that punk look when you when you think of punks what you would see but it these they weren't true punks as in the 70s punks you know they these were not your real punks these were your people that were Mm, they were pseudo punks. They were wanting to be punks. They were punk wannabes, I guess, is what they would have been. They were playing a part. And, uh, so even at this point, I hadn't kind of really understood the whole punk movement. Um, and, but there was something about this song in the crowd that was just magical to me and I know I've been on this kick a lot over the last little while and I don't know why I guess as as uh, things are progressing through the year here as I'm driving to work a lot uh, and sort of spending my splitting my time between uh, listening to podcasts and um, um, listening to music and maybe doing the odd podcast I you know I find myself stuck on some music and sort of uh, stepping back in time and and you know, not not literally, but trying to go back and listen to some of the the music that I I grew up with, um, and I came back across uh, in the crowd, well, the jam a few weeks ago. Um, I was at work and I decided to uh, plug in and, and listen to some jam on uh, on the computer with the headphones uh, while I was working, and I was just. I was just tossed back. I was thrown back into those those halls of the high school and all of the the sort of I don't know. I you know one of the words I could use is is teenage angst, but I don't know that I really had that much angst. I was talking to my wife about this. You know, I don't think I ever really had teenage angst. I'd never really rebelled. Uh, I but I listened to all that music. And maybe that was the way I rebelled, was it just by listening to that music. But then, again, it happened to me when I was out at MMPR. And hey, everybody that was at MMPR and anybody who's listening to the, me for the first time since MMPR, I guess I should probably say, hey, welcome to Slug is Doug. I don't know what episode this is, and this is where I just sort of sit in my car and talk every once in a while as I drive to work. Um so I was at MMPR. It, it took me forever to get out there on Saturday morning. I had uh, piano lessons in the morning, and, and we are deciding to uh, get air conditioning, central air and condition, central air conditioning. Okay, slow down, Doug. Slow down. You no need to talk so fast. 
were deciding on uh, getting central air conditioning installed in the townhouse. And we, I had to meet with a, uh, a, a potential installer on Saturday morning. Um, I thought there was something afoot when <laughs> my wife had called my wife. My wife had called and, um, you know, said, hey, can you come out and get a quote? And at this point, we'd already had two people come out and give us a quote. And they just came and, and saw the place. And, you know, one of the guys came and talked to me. One of the guys came and talked to my wife. And then this company was like, well, we like to have uh, both the husband and the wife there. Uh, we like to sit down and talk about your your choices and all that and i thought hey this is a good thing they keep this kind of serious they're very professional they're business-like well you pay for that oh my goodness the the price that he quoted me as i sat down at the table when i came home from uh from piano uh lessons with clara the, the price that he quoted me was three times that of the highest of the other two prices that I received. Three times. And I'm just, I was just flabbergasted. Now, he did offer, you know, full lifetime warranty, uh, like, you know, a lot of, a lot of talk. But you know what? If I can buy the unit three times in my lifetime for the price of one, I think I'm fine. The unit that we'll probably end up getting has a 10-year warranty on it. So I'm not going to be here for 30 years. I'm going to be here for maybe 10, maybe 20 years. Um, so I'll buy it again if I have to. Anyway, uh, so I ended up finally getting to MMPR. Uh, in the rain as uh, as I guess uh, the live podcaster session had started at uh, the Red Church Cafe I pulled into Hamilton it was just chucking down rain I uh, parked the car quickly in a parking lot nearby after Google Maps got me lost I rookie mistake I really should have looked more closely as to where the, exactly the Red Church Cafe was before I got in the car and before I started driving because I know Hamilton to some extent and uh, it was the Red Church Cafe is right beside the uh, John Sapinka Courthouse which I have been to on several occasions uh, both because that's where my brother used to work out of and also because uh, I used to film on that particular corner in Hamilton all the time so anyway I got there uh, after Google Maps had basically started trying to send me the wrong way down a one-way street and then it would just it just got confused as I decided that I was not going to break the law in the name of Google in the name of Goog one guy in the name of Goog um, anyway uh, so <laughs> as I was searching for parking uh, not kind of still not really knowing where I was headed. Uh, I, I hurriedly par pulled into a parking lot, figuring that I was pretty close. It was chucking down rain, and I thought, mm, I think I have an umbrella in the back of the car. And I got out of the car and 
it was really coming down at this point. And so I was uh, in a rush to get to the trunk, go to the trunk, pop the trunk, and step into a puddle that was ankle deep. And thus began the rest of my day with a very, very wet feet. Uh, the umbrella was there, by the way. Anyway, so I uh, hurried over to the Red, Red Church Cafe and was able to uh, come in as Tom Merritt was doing his his uh, his podcast. And then uh, I was able to listen to some of the others. And I had... Uh, it was great. I was able to meet uh, Stephanie for the first time. I was able to meet... Uh, Oliver for the first time uh, I don't know what happened I you know I, I didn't even get to meet um, Isabel for some reason it was like it was such a world whirlwind visit I I barely got time to even to talk to anybody I spent most of my time just kind of uh, I, I spent some time talking to Stephanie for a bit I spent some, some time talking to Rob Lee for a bit I hadn't seen him in a while and I was kind of in the process of trying to make rounds. I talked to John uh, Meadows for a while, and I just unfortunately didn't get to talk, talk to everyone. And uh, Isabel, if you if you do happen to listen to this, I'm very sorry that uh, we didn't actually get to f- formally meet. It was um, a real shame. Uh, I really should have made sure to um, meet up with you before uh, before leaving. Uh, Saturday night came, and um, I, I just uh, I, I kind of needed to leave at around nine o'clock, nine thirty. But let's get back to the reason why you're hearing in the crowd and why I'm talking about MMPR. And that is that... Uh, so while I was at the Red Church Cafe... Um, <clears throat> let me just check you're still recording. You are? Okay. Uh, uh, I'm doing this... I keep checking because the backpack has really screwed up on me a couple of times in the last little while. So... All right. Let's gather our thoughts here. Um, why am I talking about... Why am I playing in the crowd... Why am I talking about MMPR? Why are these two things meeting? Well, at Red Church, I decided to uh, I decided to have a beer. You know, that's kind of the nice thing to do while you're listening to, to some some of your friends talk. Um, and I had the uh, in the clouds. Maybe you can see where this is going. I had the in the clouds IPA, I believe, is what it was. And uh, it was just uh, one that was suggested to me by the uh, service person behind the counter, the counter person at the the cafe. Uh, I had um, gone to, to grab a beer and I said, you know, I don't know any of these. Which one do you recommend? Which one is your favorite? And the young lady behind the counter said uh, that this in the clouds one was my favorite or was her favorite. So I said, yeah, uh, sign me up for one of those. And I had one. And boy, it was delicious. It was a it was a it was hoppy at first, but uh, and a little bit perfumey. But after a couple of a uh, couple of good swigs after my tongue and my mouth got used to it, I really started to enjoy the flavor. And it was delicious. <clears throat> now, I, I never checked the uh, alcohol content of it, but it must have been strong. Because after my second one, things started to go a little bit weird for a while. Uh, and thank goodness we were going to be at this location for a while. Um, <laughs> I, I think I actually got a, a little bit drunker than I thought I should or I thought I would. Um, and 
as uh, Anthony and Dave uh, Broadbeck set up to do their recording of um, Marshall McLuhan Variety Hour, I kind of got this thing in my head that I needed to put my recorder on the table for them <laughs> to help out. As Curtain Man, it was up to me to help out and and get them a backup recording of their live podcast. Thing is that I thought that they hadn't actually started recording yet, and I kind of walked up to the table and was offering it. And as I was midway through putting it there and, and explaining to them what I was doing, that's when I realized that they had started recording already, and there I was making a very awkward scene during the beginning of their episode. Oh, I felt like an absolute tool, like an asshole. Up to this thing, up, up to this point, things had been going so well. They, they, they it had been been a lot of fun. Um just listening to everybody talk and, and, and being a part of the crowd. And my mind turned to the name of the beer that I had been consuming in the clouds. And in my own weird way, I started thinking in the crowd. So that started mulling and turning and churning in my brain and then finally the end of uh, the live round table, live podcaster round tables came around and it was time for everybody to just kind of leave and there was that was about uh, probably a half an hour, 45 minutes to an hour between that, between the live podcasts at the Red Church and everybody heading up to Anthony's uh, for the barbecue and so I, uh, at that moment, kind of just uh, was still feeling a bit like a heel for having basically stepped all over the beginning of their their session. And I, uh, I don't know, it was weird. I, I just started to feel other. I started to, and not from anything that anybody else had done, but I just started to feel... As I, I guess I, I, I felt like an outsider in a way. I felt like an idiot. And I don't know. It, there was a moment where kind of everybody just ended up leaving and uh, going off on their own way, which is kind of what one would expect. And uh, I was uh, I was just talking with Rob Lee and then he all went off on his way and then I just realized that I was just kind of alone there um, in Hamilton for alone with my, my own brain for what would be an hour or so and I was a little uh, a little tipsy really is what I was and uh, I just felt awkward but in the back of my brain the whole time was the psych that psychedelic guitar solo the the reversed guitar solo that you heard at the end of in the crowd and and echoing in my head was uh, 
the sound of, of Paul Weller singing in the crowd, but he wasn't saying in the crowd, he was singing in the clouds. <laughs> and it was like, to me, it was like my brain blaming the beer for my previous actions and my current feeling of being just, I don't know, a feeling uh, out of place. And I felt like I just didn't belong. And uh, so then I went, I, I walked to the car and I was like, well, I can't drive anywhere. So I sat in the parking lot for, for a good long while. Um, and I tried to listen to some podcasts, but I just couldn't focus. I was still just having that that feeling that, that, that something had just, something had changed. And so... I, uh, I turned on some music and I started listening to, because at that point I was no longer hearing, uh, in the clouds, in the clouds <laughs> by Paul Weller in my head, I was hearing man out of time. Um, which if you don't know, that's a, uh, uh, an Elvis Costello tune. At least that's, I think it is him. Uh, originally, I don't know. It may be cover, maybe a cover. I'm finding out more and more lately that most of the songs I like are covers of other songs but the version I know and as far as I know uh, A Man Out of Time or Man Out of Time is a um, is a Elvis Costello song uh, I think it's from King of America I might be wrong anyway uh, it's a good song and so that started going through my head and then as I was listening to that I was thinking no I really need to listen to in the crowd and so I plopped that on and boy did that ever fit the moment it it is such a strong song it's such a good song and it really brought me back to being in my bedroom in 1986 87 those light blue walls and that that room listening to that Radio Shack stereo listening to that tape of in the crowd and standing there in front of this we had a we had a, what we called a clothes tree it was a, a large dowel type thing a post that uh, I guess some might call it a, a clothes hook or whatever a coat hook um, but it we called it the clothes tree and, and it was basically a, a, a it was a standing freestanding coat hook that I had in my room, and but it was never really very functional because the uh, the dowels that had been on the the sides of it had broke had long broken off. There was like one little tiny stub on it that was great for maybe holding a belt, but everything else just kind of got draped over the top. And it was a little freestanding thing. It was maybe four feet high. Uh, when I was a kid, I remember hanging my you know my bathrobe on it or something like that, and. Uh, it generally just sort of held clothes that, you know, weren't dirty, but they weren't exactly clean, so you didn't want to fold them and put them back in. But anyway, I'd taken all the clothes off of that, and I was standing in front of it, and it was basically like the height of a, a microphone stand for somebody who is small in stature, like me. And uh, I would just crank up the jam and, and stand there in front of the... Closed tree microphone with uh, 
my fake guitar, my air guitar in my hand, and I would do, from what I would find out later, was essentially the the punk yell into the microphone thing, you know, where you you're playing your guitar, you're kind of stomping your foot and you're shouting down at the microphone because, well, Paul Weller was tall and, and I don't know, that seemed to be the thing to do is you, you look down while you scream into the microphone or sing into the microphone. But I hadn't seen punks at this time. I, that, but it seems to be like the natural movement, the natural action as you're, as you're playing punk music. So I remember really getting into that song, especially in the crowd. And I had always sort of figured it was... Uh, I always figured it was a song from the point of view of somebody who, you know, loved the band the, from from a fan. I always thought it was like some song about some guy's life who he just felt best when he was in the crowd, you know, at, at a show or something like that. Uh, that whole, when I'm in the crowd, I don't see anything... My mind goes a blank in the humid sunshine when I'm in the crowd. That line always seemed so... Uh, it was never really sort of fitting to me because I never really went to a lot of shows at that age, but the, I somehow really identified with it. And I, I've come later to, to learn that most people believe, and I think even Paul Weller has talked about, the song is more about the feeling of losing one's identity uh, especially in the the sort of the world of of England in in the uh, late seventies and early eighties, um, which I find very odd that I identify so much with the <clears throat> with the music of 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 the jam and and people like them the sort of uh, post punk uh, or late punk era uh, where there's a lot of teenage angst and and just general. Um, disenfranchised youth you know I was never disenfranchised I enjoyed my youth I enjoyed my upbringing I enjoyed my privilege uh, I was I was David Watts really is really what I was I wasn't necessarily the king of the football team or the head head boy of the school but more or less you know for any of those other kids uh, other punk type folks I was David Watts and here I was singing along to uh, was it Bruce Foxton singing uh, the David Watts song the the, um, the cover of uh, which I just found out uh, Ray Davies uh, kink song very strange but when I still hear that song I I am centered again I'm uh, there when I hear the jam and when I hear especially the album that that song is from um it's an album called All Mod Cons. I really do go back to that that time, that, to that that feeling of wonder. I didn't know much about the Jam when I was listening to them. I uh, all I knew about them was I what I read on the album covers and the sleeve art. I didn't know anything. You know, this is this previous to the pre previous to the world of the internet. I. I was. I remember the day I, I kind of learned their names, you know, Paul Weller and Bruce Foxton. But I had no idea which one was which. Um, and then uh, I can't even see. I can't even remember the name of the the drummer. I think it's Nick something. Um, <clears throat> who the drummer is is absolutely brilliant. Uh, he's so good. 
<sighs> so what are where am I what am I getting to? Where am I what am I getting into, eh? I don't know. It's a, just a really good song and it's a good album. So listen to it, damn it. I have to keep tweeting about it. Let everybody know that it's really good before anybody does anything. <laughs> it's good. It's amazing. But I had this this view of of in the crowd and how it feels good. Like I always had this view of if it, it felt good to lose yourself in the crowd. And I always thought it was kind of a positive thing, but then you know, I, I, I listen to the reviews or the the discussions, not really the discussions, but I read the articles and uh, hear people talk about uh, in and there was a documentary I watched about the recording of all mod cons. I hear people talking about this music, about how it's all about being disenfranchised and losing one, one's own di- identity, how they thought that uh, in the crowd was kind of a response to the clashes or uh, uh, not a, a response, but a, a compliment to cl- the clashes uh, all lost in the supermarket, which I played on this podcast probably episode four because <laughs> it was another song that I really enjoyed at that time it would be at the same time that I was listening to the jam I was listening to the clash as a privileged white teenager that lived in suburban well it wasn't really suburban it was Windsor you know it was Windsor kind of what it was but I don't think I got it I, I didn't get it for real I just got it from my point of view But then I was just listening to uh, All Mod Cons just before I got on here and started to record and decided to talk about this. I'm listening to it again, and I'm starting to think that maybe the kids of this age, maybe they're going to start to feel the way that the kids of Paul Weathers, Paul Weller's age, of uh, the punk age, maybe they're going to start to feel the same way. Maybe they're going to start to feel quite disenfranchised and and they're going to hate Mr. Clean, which is another song. I never understood what Mr. Clean was about. I finally kind of figured it out that it was actually kind of, you know, uh, Paul Weller saying to the, the businessman that he would see going off to work, the uh, the wealthier the wealthier men, the, the stockbrokers, the... The, the money folk the lawyers watching them head off to work while while he's you know slug, slugging it out in his current lifestyle you know how he Mr. Clean was had a nice lifestyle but don't look at him because he'll fuck up your life am I Mr. Clean? I certainly look like him when I got my head shaved. I don't currently. Am I David Watts? Oy. But on the sort of very surface, from the outside looking at this music, 
it just sounds good to begin with. I think for the longest time, I'm not a lyrics guy. I, I, I rarely understand what people are singing. I rarely understand what they're singing about. Um, and especially when it came to the jam, Paul Weller was not really known very much for his enunciation of, of the lyrics, and his lyrics, his vocals were always kind of just like embedded in the mix a bit. They weren't always right up front. Certain songs they were. But being a lazy listener, I never really spent a lot of time li- like really listening to the lyrics and trying to figure out what it was about. For me, it was a feeling. It was it was it was a, something that it stirred inside me, and that's what it was about. And this is the beauty of music: is it makes me think. You know, it it has succeeded in doing what it's supposed to do. It has made me listen to it, and it has made me appreciate it and think about something. Think about the music and think about what it's a, what it's about. And whether I get it right or not, I think that probably is just irrelevant. You know, I I could love a song and 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 think it's about one thing and then realize later it's about something else and i think there's nothing wrong with that as long as we're thinking about it and uh, yeah there we go so i ended up feeling a bit better <laughs> at mmpr after listening to that. Oh, I forgot the rest of the story. The rest of the story is, so, after listening to the music for a while, I went to uh, the Lime Ridge Mall, and I got some kombucha, uh, which uh, I texted to uh, Heavy D and to uh, um, Jason with an E. Um, Hey, do you want to do a Heartburn Honeys on kombucha? And they said, you betcha. So, you can look forward to one of those coming out soon on the SGMR podcast, Alien CG. We'll throw back to uh, the beginning of the show there. Uh, and our friend Jason. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I still was listening to the jam as I was driving around in, in Hamilton. I decided, well, I still had a few minutes. I would head over to a park and, and try to record, try to podcast, because I didn't get an opportunity to sit down and do a, uh, uh, a live recording session. And I, yeah, geez, I didn't really feel like it. I brought this stuff, but I didn't feel like it when I got there. Didn't know what to talk about. So I thought maybe I would go talk about how I was feeling like an idiot. Uh, for, for stepping all over and causing an awkward moment at the beginning of uh, MMVH. Um, so I, I, I tried to do it. I, I sat down on a swing. I sat down on a park bench up near Anthony's house. Anthony's? Anthony's house. Um... And I tried. I, I had multiple, multiple false starts that just went nowhere. And I think I was just, I was in a, I was in a headspace where I was feeling a bit down on myself, feeling a bit awkward, and also thinking. I was just thinking, and and it was kind of hard at the moment to think aloud. Um. I wasn't comfortable with my thoughts at that point. I wasn't comfortable with myself. And it is definitely hard to talk and to share when one is not very comfortable with themselves and they're not comfortable in their own skin at that at that point. So I, uh, I eventually made it to the barbecue and was able to uh, 
was able to, to see people and talk to people and uh, kind of get into things. But I do have to admit, I was still feeling... I was not all there. And I think maybe... I don't know. I think uh, I had this feeling the Scarborough dude, dude knew that there was something up with me on the inside uh, by the way he was looking at me. Um, but I, I just wasn't... I wasn't 100% there. And I'm sorry for that, everybody. I was... Uh, I don't know. I was... I was I was in my head, the, and as I said to Bar, uh, Scarborough dude, as I was leaving the barbecue, and he was saying, you know, something about record something, and I said that I retry, I tried earlier, but the machine wouldn't work. And he asked me which machine, and I said, well, this one, and I pointed to my head because it just wasn't working. Things weren't things weren't right. Things weren't right. So I kind of felt that I needed to get home. I needed to just remove myself from the situation. Uh, a little bit earlier than I expected. I expected to leave at around 10. Uh, I saw the opportunity when Rob Lee was leaving at around 9 that uh, I thought it was probably a good time for me to go. Now, I had a good time. I still had a good time. I still enjoyed myself. I had good conversations with um, with Mark Blevis, uh, with John, like I said, with Rob, with everybody that I talked to. But during the whole time, there was still still sort of a little thing in the back of my head that was just it was digging at me and and I think maybe it is that I, I do even in this community that is very very welcoming to everyone I do sometimes feel still feel a bit like an outsider and I don't know why um, perhaps it's just I haven't been involved as involved in the the gatherings uh, where we all get together. I haven't been involved in that as much, and that's my own fault. There's been several reasons for that, but I never made it to a pub. I wasn't able to make it to Bob's thing. I wasn't uh, I wasn't at MMPR for the last couple of years. There's been so much going on. Um, my priorities have been in a different spot, and I guess it's just that's the price you pay, right? For for living your life and dealing with things that are around you you sometimes don't get to uh you don't get to go to the things you want to go to and you don't get to be where you want to be and it's tough it's tough when when you when you think that you are part of such a a a strong tight-knit community which we are and i'm not i'm not bagging on anybody here but uh, this is just my sort of feelings, and uh, they'll change. But when you feel like you're just kind of on the periphery, or you're pulling yourself out, perhaps, for, for one reason or another, and you don't know why. Um, but that'll change. So anyway, I'm pulling into work. Uh, I don't know why I'm leaving it on that, but uh, you know what? <laughs> I think there was... As I was listening to the uh, All Mod Cons album, which please go listen to it. God damn it. Go listen to the album. All Mod Cons, the jam. You can listen to a bunch of the tracks on YouTube. You can listen to them on Spotify, on whatever you want. Listen to the album. It's good. But there's a track off of that, which I always found very interesting. It was called uh, English Rose. And it, it's it's so not punk. It was It's essentially a love song. Um, I'm a, I always assumed it was a love song for England, and I always figured that I was a bit of an Anglophile 
um, in the 80s and 90s. Um, and I always thought it was a bit of a love song for England and who knows for what else. And uh, I always thought it was it was it was a nice uh, breather uh, on the album. I think it was the last track of the first side of All Mod Cons. It comes right after some. I think it was. Uh, I can't remember. I'm not even going to try. But it comes after some pretty strong, heavy tunes, and just before some others. So. Anyway, I'm going to leave with that because it's a really good song. And uh, I'll be back. (laughs) And please, if you're listening to this, don't think that you had anything to do with the way I felt on Saturday night. It was all in my head. It was all due to in the clouds. (laughs) Uh, All right. Take care, my friends. Until next time. Love you. Straight home.